This is Jack Donovan, author of The Way of Men, and you are listening to Start the World. All right, my guest today is Nick Matos. Nick is a meditation teacher and a practitioner and a writer. So today we're going to talk about some of the benefits of meditation, some different styles of meditation, and how you can use meditation to improve your quality of life. So Nick, uh, thank you for coming on Start the World. Uh, it's my pleasure, Jack. So good to be here. Cool. So uh, we were, talked a little bit about uh, where we're going to begin, and uh, why don't you introduce your, your background in meditation? Yeah, so I've actually been practicing meditation on and off since I was about age 12. You know, I was raised in a beautiful, loving, brutal, libertarian, Mexican, Portuguese family here in California. And like a lot of folks of that type, I was raised Catholic. And in the Catholic tradition, there is a long and beautiful history of contemplative arts being practiced by people at every different level from householders all the way through saints. So it was something that was really inculcated in me from be, being very young that there was something important about getting in touch with oneself and getting in touch with some interior sense of stillness. And simultaneous with all of that, I've also dealt on and off with depression for my entire life. And there it, that will be an ongoing weave, weaving uh, thread inside of the story here, because I think this is something that unifies me with a lot of people, especially nowadays, that there's a certain sort of painfulness uh, with the encounter with yourself that underscores depression. And meditation is one of the few things that I've found to help that in an ongoing way. So my studies, especially once I actually got like a little bit of fucking agency in myself and got a little older than that, uh, initially started out very formal. You know, I was studying under teachers both in a number of different lineages, particularly in Buddhist and Hindu traditions, and was really jumped in like full speed ahead from it and was integrated it really strongly in my day-to-day -day life. I had a guru for a long time, a guy who I really respect, who described himself as what was called a Saturn teacher. And as a Saturnine teacher, his whole thing was about busting you upside the fucking head in order to get this and to really lean into the transformative violence of meditation as part of it. Because really, we'll come back to that and talk a lot about the transformative violence of it. But getting some level of comfort with the idea that there was a, a significant confrontation that was intrinsic in meditation practice was an incredible gift. So I've really stuck with it since then. About 10 years ago was when I started teaching. And it initially really came out of necessity because I found that while there were a lot of teachers in the market, a lot of people who were, you know, named Bunny and given a juicy stretch in a yoga class. And then I wanted to know how to really like, you know, like not just look good in your yoga pants, but look, feel good in your yoga pants too, kind of vibe. Right. And, and I didn't find that there was a lot of representation of the sort of teaching that I was really resonant with at that point. So um, that has been quite the journey and a challenge in and of itself. You know, the, it is forces me on a day-to-day -day level to make sure that I'm really first off keeping my practice in and keeping my own engagement with my shit in because believe me, got a lot of shit there, but also to watch how it is that people, as they start to have that transformative confrontation with themselves and with their mind, that things shift significantly and dramatically in their lives. 
So nowadays, as I come at it, you know, I'm in the middle of this real strange lockdown that we're uh, socially that we're in. And like a lot of people, I'm having a really challenging time of it. I mean, just watching the hyper-partisanship that's at play with it, as well as I've known four people who've died of illness so far. I have a cousin who's not even 30 who got a fucking stroke as a result of con uh, contracting it and shit. So I, like a lot of people, are being forced to confront death and can confront myself in a totally different way than previous to this. So I'm really thankful that I do have these skills that I've honed over a number of years in terms of practice and teaching. And it does feel like a time to start talking more broadly with people about it and really start offering these tools. Because the good news is that anybody who's listening to this absolutely already has the skill set and the tools needed to practice meditation. It is not something that's alien. It's not something that's in, uh, set in from outside of it. The only difference is that you have to create the theater for your own discipline to play itself out in. You have to create the arena for that confrontation. So I just like to help dudes put together their arena. That's it. That, that sounds great. Uh, well, let's, let's, let's start. Uh, yeah. <laughs> let's start with that oh, um, yeah. because you're talking about a lot of uh, confrontation and so forth. And, and I think when a lot of people talk about meditation, um, they're not talking about that. You know, a lot of times they're just <laughs> talking about sitting. I mean, I do meditation, but it's for different, for different applications mm -hmm. sometimes. I mean, I'll, I'll sit what down. What sort of applications? Well, I'll get, uh, you know, I decided to start studying it uh, a few years ago. Um, and I, I actually went to a Buddhist place a couple of times just to see what I'm like, what do, what do people do? Yeah. You know, and, uh, and that was interesting just to experience that. And uh, I mean, I'm not a Buddhist by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, it's, uh, it was interesting to experience that. And I just played around with different things. Um, you know, I, there's sometimes where I'll, I'll sit in silence, like in the morning, and I've been trying to do that a little bit more recently. Uh, when I first started doing it, I was doing it more f for creativity. Mm -hmm. Like I was trying to find, um, get my creative space a, a little bit before writing is what I, I was doing, using it for a while. Cause I was having trouble with that for a while. And, um, you know, because I used to write, I used to start writing like most people do, uh, cause they see something that makes them angry and then they, they write about that. And that's easy. I, that is easy. I could do that all day, but uh, that's easy and fun. But I wanted to write stuff that was timeless. So it wasn't, you know, I, I let go of that issue of the day kind of writing because, you know, it, no one cares about that issue in like a month. Right? So your, your piece becomes irrelevant. So I didn't want, I didn't want to have a lifetime of irrelevant work. Uh, so I wanted to talk about bigger concepts. And so that takes, it's a little bit more work to find the creativity in that because it's not just like, you know what, <laughs> you know, like, cause that's, Don't that's really what bust my chops kind of. Yeah, art. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like here's why you're wrong. You know, that, that, that's easy to write. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, it, to try and find something more positive and also like, uh, you know, more timeless, it was always a challenge. So, um, what I started doing for a while is I would, you know, I'd sit down, I have a little uh, altar, um, for what, whatever kind of practice I'm using religiously at I'm that time. It. I dig it. I'm sitting in front of mine right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I have a little space for that, and uh, you know, I was I was actually um, listening to you know dark ambient at the time, and so I I just have headphones on and a timer set for like twenty minutes or whatever, and just sit there and zone out on it. And after about like ten minutes, then like you know stuff starts moving, and and eventually I'd get yeah you know, yeah I'd, I'd wake up I'd come out with with an idea, 
you know, and that's what I was using it for before. And now I'm trying to, to use it a little bit more in terms of um, keeping focused, you know, because I, I, I have a luxurious lifestyle right now to the point where I can, I can pretty much do what I want. I mean, aside from like go places, but uh, <laughs> yeah. anything except for see people or go places. Right, right, right. Which that's a little bit, that's, that's kind of shaken out right now a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, um, uh, you know, so I, I can do whatever I want. So to stay on task, it's really easy to get off task and be like, well, what did I do today? You know, and, uh, and, to, and also calm myself down. Because I found, I think from social media, I had a lot of um, just spazzy energy. Yes. You know, because it just makes you... Especially because I write on my computer and I have to, I have to be online because I use Wiktionary constantly when I write and I'm always looking at different things and back and forth. So I have to have, I have to be connected when I do that, but it's also very distracting, you know, like, you know, Oh, someone's messaging me like all this stuff's happening the whole time. So I had to like try and find ways to focus it out. And it made, it made it difficult for me to read, um, to really get involved in reading. I'm good at cross-referencing, but to really get involved in like reading, I mean, I sat down and, you know, I was trying to read the Odyssey and, uh, you know, I'm, tr I'm trying to catch up on all the big epic literature uh, that, that, to fold it into the book. I was trying to read that. And I was like averaging like four chapters a day was the most I could handle because I just couldn't get my head in it. And then um, I, what I started doing was uh, I just wouldn't let myself even touch my phone until 2 p.m. And I would just sit down in a chair and read like I would meditate first and then I would sit down in a chair and read. And yeah, I like finished the rest of the Odyssey, like the first day I did that, you know, so like plowed through it. And so I've been doing that with a little bit. And so I've been using meditation to kind of get myself in that space to go that route and calm my mind a little bit. So I'm not like, well, I wonder what my, my subscribers are on YouTube today. And what do I like just chasing all this information around? <laughs> totally. You know? So it's, it's a good, it's, it, it, I've used it for that, but that's, that's basically the, all I've done. I've tried, I've listened to some, uh, you know, some guided meditations. I think you were part of a company that had an app for a minute. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I used that one time. You know, I've, I've tried a bunch of little things uh, just to see what I liked and didn't like what was working for me. So, um, yeah. Well, first off, a huge fuck yes to all of that. I mean, right. that's like, there's so much to like, to unpack as part of, uh, part of your story with it. But I, I absolutely love it because it illustrates that a number of different things that are essential here. And the first one I really want to want to honor you with for that is that any reason that people can have to try to facilitate some sort of more constructive engagement with themselves and their thoughts is exactly the reason to meditate. Like I've talked to students over time where they're like, you know, I'm interested in learning how to not get angry in such an uncontrollable way. If I'm going to have anger, I want it to be a great, powerful laser that can that I can turn on and off with it. And may everybody have that great, powerful laser. <laughs> right. right. But it, the, it, it, that as an entry point is as valid as wanting to be more creative, as wanting to deal with less anxiety, of wanting to be able to feel like your thoughts are not your enemy and that they're not constantly intruding upon the battlefield of your life for it. All these things are completely relevant and completely applicable for meditational practice. And so whatever reason that anybody has to start practicing is perfect. Mm -hmm. uh, I also love that you really mentioned about kind of checking out the whole field of it because, and this is again, where I really dis differ from a lot of teachers. 
every method kind of works. It, it does its own thing. And, you know, you're engaged with a scientific experiment and you have to find out what the results of that experiment are. And we have lots of case studies for those experiments for, for reaching back through millennia. But any practice that you have will likely work. Um, I want to give a caveat here for both for you and for your listeners with it, mm-hmm. which is, you know, if you're listening to this and you're like, he is fucking wrong as hell. No shit. That's okay. I don't have a monopoly on this. Like find somebody else you can listen to. There's a fucking million people out there who are doing this. I'm only sharing what it is that I have seen and observed and what my teachers have taught me. And that, and a lot of that stuff that my teachers taught me, I've rejected too, for that matter. So so, you know, just given the PSA, like figure, be your own sovereign, figure out your own solution for this. We're here to help if you want. It. Um, coming back to, to what you were saying, and I think is a good leeway to start to talk about types of meditation as well, is that there are a million different approaches and that they have different outcomes. And a key one that you mentioned that I think is an excellent introduction for people that's available is having some measure of outside stimulus that you give yourself permission to be present with in a really focused way that doesn't take you on a specific narrative journey. So I'll unpack that a little bit. So like the dark ambient that you're talking about and fuck yes, highly recommended. And for anybody in the Bay area, whoever wants to check it out, dark ambient sound bath is a wonderful live environment for when we can start meeting again in person that facilitates an environment like that, um, Mm -hmm. that is really bar now. But the, the key instrument that I like to use for that is actually the gong. And it, it, the reason I like the gong is both mythologically speaking, it's considered to be the first and the last sound. It's also intended to be something that is both used for war cries, like you would literally ring a gong to warn about danger, but then additionally as a funerary device that you ring gongs in order to commemorate the dead. So for my little fucking goth heart, the soul, basically, like uh, the... There are lots and lots of gong recordings online, and I think one of the benefits of of something of that type, a dark ambient gong recordings, if you really kind of go in the more airy-fairy kind of energy, God bless you, but not my jam, like something like a crystal bowl or something, you know, any of those sort of new age instruments that are available, what they really give you is something that is separate and distinctive enough from the stimulus of the rest of your life that you can give yourself some measured permission to just be present with. And in that measured permission of being present, that what it really, what you come down to ultimately is whatever it is that that is incurring, um, having an incursion upon your space, in this case, a sound, and then you. And you start to unpack in that, that engagement with it, that the you that you're talking about is a lot more complex an entity than you might have thought previously to that. So I'll give an example from last time I was at a, you know, at a gong event with somebody, I found myself, you know, and in this particular one, you either sit or lay down. I typically sit and I was suddenly horny as hell. And it was like the weirdest, funniest, strangest feeling of like feeling that particular energy rise up in my body. And that, and as I was sitting there with it, there was the experience of myself being there, my physical body being present, my, you know, et cetera. There was the energetic experience of like, oh, what's happening here? Hmm, huh. And then there was a million stories that were going in my mind about what that meant about, you know, I'm 
a little bit of a dork. So it was like, you know, like, oh, is this the Kundalini? And like all these sort of things coming from all this mythology and all these stories that I've read, all this stuff about like, am I going to get a boner? Are people going to see? Like, you know, kind of the 12-year-old boy kind of vibe that's going on there. There's also the like, don't worry, Nick, just namaste and forget and leave it. And the, you know, all these things. And the the thing that the gong and that outside incursion allows you to do is to have a vantage point to look at all of that that's happening. And so it gives you the ability to sort of be present with this outside stimulus to have a flat play uh, field to view all of those thoughts, all those other stimuli upon. Okay. Well, in, in something like that, does the, is the gong a regular thing or is it like a, a beginning and ending? Is it, a beat, is, such, is it a beat or an ending? That like, is such a great question. Um, it's a yes and for that. You know, it is the, uh, uh, the, the gong in, in that particular usage is more of a like, um, it creates a, an ambient sound. So, okay. Okay. Um, is, and, and why I think it's a great question is because it also applies for thinking about the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the, it, that larger question that we were addressing that was about like how to get started and where your meditation practice leads. So it's, it's a beginning and it's also an end. Like eventually, you know, there's not a, a, eventually part of what we start to unpack in this experience is that we're not what we think we are and that we're a lot greater than we think we are. So, you know, when you, each time that you come back to your practice, you're beginning something, you're starting again. And like, let's say for a breath focused practice where you're watching your breath move, then it's like, holy shit, I should stop smoking. P.S. You should probably start stop smoking. I'm, but you know, but you're starting with that. But then also you have whatever you've incurred over time for it, so that you can eventually drop that stuff that you incurred over time. Like you can start to be selective and be a sovereign over your own thoughts to understand what you want to believe and what not to. Um, let's come back to what to your narrative about meditation, because again, I think there's a lot to unpack that's important in there. Um, the the key thing also is the idea that there are the way that a lot of media is set up nowadays is made to hypnotize you and it's made to addict you. And mm -hmm. so we're seeing more and more, especially in this time period where people have to go online in order to have any real connectivity with each other in the way that we want, that it's the impulse to scroll endlessly that is built into all forms of social media is the I think one of the most smart, crooked, deceptive things that could be put in by a society that specifically does not want people who have sovereignty over their own minds. It is so specifically there in order to take away any sort of um, agency about how it is that we want to think about things, how it is that we want to engage with the world, and how, how it is that we look at ourselves. So it <laughs> it's almost like social media is the anti-meditation. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then, yeah, and then also they edit the narrative, which is interesting as well. You know, like you're hypnotized, and we're feeding you a narrative that we've edited because you can only you can only hear the one point of view that we've chosen. You know. Yes, precisely, precisely. And it's like, you know, and people talk about like, oh, the algorithm, and I don't want to participate in the algorithm. The algorithm was made by a person. It is it, it is run by people. It's not like the algorithm is some sort of like sentient, malevolent AI. It's actually sentient, malevolent humans. Will we, know, will, we, will we know when it is? Yeah. <laughs> will we know when it's alive? Yeah, like, and those people have addresses. Those people have like, like, that's the thing. It's like, these are not like, it, like it, 
I think there is the impulse sometimes, and this is again, also ties in with the meditative journey that there's the impulse to think of it that there's like these amorphous sort of like, oh, the childhood wounding is, you know, causes the trouble or that like, oh, these sort of the sentient AI is happening that's causing us to be hypnotized by social media. Like, no, there's actually like really specific patterns of thought that come from those childhood woundings that mm -hmm. you can start to engage with and shift and choose whether you believe in or not and make a different life for yourself. You can look at and choose what to what degree you're going to buy into the product that these particular smart crooked deceivers made for it in order to start to move forward with it. Like we have that choice and it's all, it, only to the degree to which we are hypnotized are we really out of contact with our own power. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So um, as far as building your arena, uh, how, how again, like, uh, why don't we uh, start figuring out what you mean by that and yeah. uh, what the objective is? Okay. Uh, so glad you asked. Um, what the, I, I, the term that I like to use is the arena for the fact that we are both having, we have this confrontation both internally and then we see the results of it externally. So the, let me collect my thoughts. The, the confrontation that I'm talking about is the confrontation between you, whatever that more transcendental you that philosophers have lots and lots of concepts about, and I'm not going to tell you what that is. You should find out for yourself. And then all of the other overlays that happen on top of that. So mm -hmm. these sort of shifting amorphous personalities that we adopt over time. I am not a teenage skater anymore. I am not you know, Sutton Ryan, who teaches in a specific lineage and took an Indian name for whatever godforsaken reason for like, you know, like things like that. Like, I am something else distinct from that. But those are important overlays that have been part of my experience. Um, the that particular interaction is different than any other conflict that you're going to have in your life. Because and this is where it gets a little bit woo. So you know, put your crystals down, folks, and let's hang out for a sec. That the unlike any other enemy in which you really get to have one clear straight shot at them and you get to have whatever blood con conflict that you're going to have there, those other things are also kind of you. So it's different. The, the, the violence that's associated with it is not the sort of decisive violence that we get to have in a lot of different arenas in our lives. Instead, the violence there is one in which you have to understand that there is really good things and really bad things that are part of all of the things that are overlaid onto you. And all of the thoughts that are moving in and through your field, in and through your mind, are have something to teach you and something that is also probably being stolen from you as a result for it. It doesn't mean become fucking schizophrenic and go crazy and disbelieve everything. It also doesn't mean go to the opposite extreme and believe everything. It means take a good, honest assessment of it. So returning to the arena, that even beyond that central conflict that's going on, you have everybody else in your life and all the other relationships that are at play outside of that conflict. Mm -hmm. So I remember, remember talking with a student of mine and he was having all this difficulty with his wife over like a long period of time. And to be frank, I mean, he's not here. So I'll tell you, his wife was kind of a piece of work. It was this whole sort of scenario with that. And the, he kept coming to the meditation mat and kept coming to classes in order to try to learn how to be at peace with his wife being, being herself. Noble goal, absolutely good for it. Also, there was a way in which, and I kept telling him this, like, as you go through this conflict, if 
the conflict of really confronting yourself, befriending yourself, understanding what what was really you and what wasn't you, that simultaneous with that, there's going to be an evolution of your relationships that's at play. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those relationships are going to get better. And with with a great number of the rest of them, your clarity about them is going to get better. And so you might not want to be in them as part of it. Um, To my understanding, they're still together. May they be happy at some point, you know, things like that. But, you know, not really my department to tell them what to do there. But my department is to tell that to help to encourage folks to on that journey to really understand that your relationships are a mirror of the quality of that contact that you have with your deepest self, that your relationships are in a lot of ways form the outside of the arena of this sort of um, experience of confronting yourself in, in the meditative state for it. Um, you know, and this is, again, because I'm a really big fan of reminding people that I'm not an expert, not a guru, whatever. Um, you know, I run into my own relationship conflicts with it. I like to think that they're more interesting, more impactful, more uh, healthier conflicts than I had when I was 16, for sure, or 25, for sure, or even 35, for that matter. But it, um, it, they do evolve and change in a, in a good way. And that's some of the ways that you can start to see the fruitage of that practice is that if you are in a space in which everybody around you, well, here's the example I like to give. If you're annoyed by every single person around you, if it's always just like those jerks at work and those jerks at the coffee house and those jerks at the, I don't know, (laughs) COVID-19 road stop where they test your temperature or whatever. Like if that's the case, that may be a signal that, you're not doing really good in the arena of actually contending with yourself and your own thoughts. Like the, right. the, that may be that you're overlaying that conflict onto everything around you instead. Like this is not to discount the existence of jerks. Believe me, I've been one, but like there's also yeah. quite a few other, other factors at play that meditation can help a lot. with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people go down this road where they become very misanthropic uh, and, and they get really into that, you know, and uh, uh, being angry at everyone and all the time and it, everyone's out to get you and everyone's a, a problem. And yeah, uh, definitely I've been this whole stay solar thing that I've been putting out there. Um, I, I think it was a really good vibe and it was the right vibe uh, for a lot of guys uh, because they, uh, you know, so many, especially with men who are interested in masculinity, they, they've been going through this thing where they start to realize that, Oh, I, being a man is a good thing. And I, I, I actually want to be more like a man. And then there's all these messages coming from the outside to like pile in saying that's a, that's a horrible thing. And, uh, and so, you know, they, they get very angry, you yeah. know, it's just angry at the world. And, uh, you know, it, it's easy to forget that there are decent people all around you, even if they don't like, they aren't on the same page with you about every little thing. You know, one of the things I was talking with my buddy, Greg, on one of the other podcasts was, you know, you can find a lot of, uh, common ground with a lot of people you know if you're not trying to everyone who isn't on exactly my page with everything and that's actually something i was actually talking to my sister about yesterday with uh, the this whole covid thing Mm -hmm. uh is that uh right now everyone's at a different place with it everyone's at a really different place with it and so you all you can't really be mad you know it's like if i had a realization about how i think things are going a week ago I have friends who had that realization two weeks ago (laughs) and, uh, and, and, you know, if, if, if mom's not there yet, then we, then, uh, you know, she's at a different place and, and, uh, you know, we got to figure out, uh, I think it's a really good time to practice not being, not expecting everyone to be exactly where you're at. 
So beautifully phrased, Jack. Oh my God. I um, was just recently re- listening to a podcast interview with this guy and I, he has a very plain name, but he's on Instagram as operation underscore Moksha, M-O-K-S-H-A. Highly recommended. And he uh, mostly puts out stuff as Operation Moksha. And he was talking about shadow integration and the sort of idea of integrating the parts of ourselves that we have disowned, shamed, um, otherwise keep hidden from other people as a political activity. And that in his view, that this sort of integration of all these parts of ourselves, including the parts that we would otherwise reject, is the the work of the day, partially because we are seeing people be on such different levels, like you're talking about, and such different places on the ideological spectrum. I mean, you and I have been friends for, what, like 10 years, something like yeah, that. Yeah. We believe lots of different things with each other. And, that, and, and still, there's a deep respect that goes on there and a real yeah. sort of understanding of, you know, at least the, the framework that we're each coming from with it. It's a it's a beautiful thing when you can start to have enough of a a purchase on the ongoing task of accepting who the fuck you are and being able to stand in the, in the, in the light of that realization to stay solar in in another sense that is, um, it, that changes the world and changes your life. Certainly. Um, it is really strange and sad also to see how people really in a time like this, have a deeper leaning into the idea that there is some savior figure of a political or spiritual or interpersonal type that's going to come rescue them from it. Right. And that like, it, that's like the real, real next level of our development is like kind of, I guess, to grow up enough to not need a parent figure to come get us or to be our, be your own fucking daddy, I guess. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, totally. Yeah. I don't agree with the sort of like hippie concept that, you know, that we sort of, that, you know, you meditate and then eventually it's just like, oh, wow, maybe we really need, you know, like some sort of like unified Marianne Williamson consciousness that's going on here. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, know, yeah. That, that drives me crazy. Yeah, yeah like yeah, it, yeah. it's not that. It's not because most of the yeah. cultures that you've seen that, that meditation originated really overtly from were not 0% like that. I mean, looking at Vedic culture is one example. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you know, to hype some of your work, I mean, you're doing a great job of of really articulating the ways in which this sort of idea that meditation will make us weak or soft or permeable in the sort of in a way that will kind of make us lose our edge or make us lose our what I think is our humanness, which is also our animalness. Um, well, I think I, well, I think it's that, and that's a lot of the narrative that people attribute to meditation i think yeah. uh, there's a kind of you know like it's at a certain point you're one with the universe and i'm like why are you even alive at that point you know just you okay right. you're you're, you're <laughs> there, there's i i am everyone and everyone is me and you start talking charles manson kind of weird stuff but uh <laughs> you, you know it's i th- think that it has to do with what direction and i think that's what a lot of guys are looking for like well i see that that and i don't want that but where do you want what kind of narrative is going to take me to where I want to do because what what guys I think mostly want out of meditation is to what they want in every aspect of life they want to have more control like more self control is basically what they want more self control they want to be able to operate at a higher level and uh, and and they want to be more successful and at least guys like me uh, I want to be more individuated 
You know, like I want to be more myself. Yeah, like uh, not, self-contained and self-ruled. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, totally, totally. I, I mean, I'm always, you know, it is, it is interesting over, over life. You know, you do, uh, there, there are patterns that remain hmm. over time. And, uh, you know, patterns, you know, things that are just, oh, I was into that for a while, whatever. Uh, you know, like, or, oh, that was a bad direction. Shouldn't have done that. But oh my, uh, like my tool phase. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you definitely go you know, through these things and then you see patterns in your own life, especially as you get older. Um, you know, like uh, my first tattoo uh, was a, uh, my arms were a lot smaller. Uh, <laughs> but so it, 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 was almost, it was almost closed when I got it because I was 21. And oh. uh, so my first tattoo, actually, I picked it. It was from a Minoan uh, urn or a, a, Cre a Cretan uh, vase or something. Wow. And I found it in an art history book. And I had, that was what I wanted to get my first armband because it was 90s. And, uh, you know, <laughs> so I went, had to get that. And now, you know, recently I went to a thrift store and, and picked up this cup. And I've been calling my pagan cup. I actually don't have it in here. I normally do. But, uh, and, uh, you know, now that I've been getting back into the Greek stuff that I was into when I was a kid. Uh, and, uh, then I, I just picked it up in the thrift store. I'm like, Oh, this is, this is the most pagan cup I've ever seen. And, uh, then I, I looked it up and it actually goes for a reasonable amount of money. I bought it for like five bucks and, uh, it's a Minoan bull ritual. And it was actually found five miles from Sparta. Like it's a re reproduction oh. of something that was found five miles from Sparta. I think I'm going to make an Instagram post about it. Cause it's neat. Once I finally looked, figured out what the cup was, it's a historical reproduction of some things that are in museums. And uh, so it, it's really cool. So you see these yeah. patterns like recurring, like, well, that was kind of always me, you know, you know, like there was always part a thread of that there. And so, you know, you just kind of refine them over time. You know, beautifully phrased. Absolutely. And, you know, and those things oftentimes do end up sort of shadow content. Like for myself, like, you know, and again, I mentioned I was raised Mexican and Catholic and all this sort of stuff. And so ma magical thinking has always been a really part of, big part of my life. Mm -hmm. And I had a time period where I really aggressively pushed against that and really tried to be to, because I was aware that that, and, or excuse me, not aware of, I believed that in certain ways that was a significant deficit and that that was going to really impede my ability to kind of live a life that wasn't magical in the negative sense, I guess. And it, a teacher that I really respect, who was also kind of a piece of shit at the same time, had this great quote that was, um, symbols will have their revenge. That if we don't have, do something to try to integrate these things and to make them sort of um, work in our lives in, under our engagement and with some sort of conscious control on them, they're going to come and fuck us up with it. So like you're, what you're talking about of reconnecting with this thing that you, that you loved when you were younger. And that, I, I mean, as a longtime fan of your work, I think does infl influence and impact a lot of the, your, you know, the way that you use language and the way that you, that you form your psychology and such that um, it's beautiful that you could reintegrate that. And like that you get this beautiful symbolic way to have to like really not just like reach out back for it in a conscious way, but then also to like, kind of show that you do come full circle for it um yeah it's it's been kind of cool in the way way i don't know it, uh, i definitely have a sense that i'm uh becoming more and more and more and more what i was always supposed to be yes <laughs> you know and that's that's yeah. neat you know like yeah. in many ways you know like there are obviously things that i tried to be that were wrong, foolish uh -huh. along the way but i you know i could see 
I'm kind of always want to do kind of what I'm doing now. I just had to figure out how to get there, you know? And, and so that's, that's, that's a cool thing. And it is becoming a more like weirdly refined version of, of that. And well, I yeah. guess that, I guess that's a good thing as you get older. I mean, if, if that's, you know, a, a good way to go. Hell yeah. And cause you see a lot of guys who go in the opposite way in which then they, then it, which is why then we get like these sort of crazy midlife crises that come up in which it's like, I'm going to burning man and I'm going to go get like a 22 year old girlfriend and like yeah. all this sort of stuff like where it's like, yeah, dude, if you had sort of tracked a little closer to your true self throughout that process, maybe checked in a little bit with it, like you wouldn't feel the need to go do the exact same thing that every other dude's doing in the hopes that that will be the thing that makes you happy finally like you can find some interior happiness for it um i'd love to come back to one of the things that you said about like the guy, reason guys meditate i couldn't agree more for it okay. it really about being more disciplined more yourself more engaged with um you know in your power and in your agency with it um and i actually have a practice that i recommend for most people with it especially guys that I, is a real easy one uh you can do it, it you know you can integrate it for 5 minutes a day and get really big impacts really quickly it's a breath meditation um okay. if you want we can do it together <laughs> okay cool all right let's do it yeah so here's some caveats for it first if you're driving while you're listening to this that's totally cool but just try to stay conscious of how you're feeling with it don't it, you know, of course, don't close your eyes. Duh. Um, the this breath practice is something that a teacher of mine called one minute breath because in his vision, eventually the three the the three sections of it will be twenty sections seconds long. I've done this for twenty fucking years and I'm still not at twenty seconds for it. So I don't recommend that people start with it. We're going to do it for about five seconds, and it okay. works with three patterns of the breath, which is the inhale, the held breath, and the exhale. So. Like I said, symbols will have their revenge. And one of the ways that I find really helps with engaging with the breath specifically is to think about it as a metaphor. That we, it's this ongoing metaphor that we get to experience in a moment-to-moment -moment way because at the moment when we're, we're going to stop breathing is also the moment when we're not going to have these bodies anymore. And we may not even have a consciousness anymore. We're going to die. So, <laughs> so while we're here with it, the... The three part patterns of the breath are metaphors for your ability to pull things in, to hold, to, to kind of attract what's going on, your ability to hold things well, and your ability to let go of things well. So the, what we're doing on a symbolic level is going through this cycle over and over and over. What we're doing on a physiological level is that we're increasing the oxygenation level in our uh, because we're giving the opportunity for there to be lots of oxygen in our lungs into our bloodstream. And what that then causes because of the held breath is actually more carbon dioxide. I'm like fucking ruining this scientific thing. There's lots of people who talk about this way more effectively than I do. If you're into that thing, go check it out. Um, and do your own research. Yeah. Reading Rainbow. So the, like, from there then, uh, what we're doing is sort of causing a physiological change that has been indicated to reduce anxiety levels over time, mm -hmm. but can cause a temporary spike in them during the course of practice. So if you do, if we're during our practice session, or if you take it and start doing it in an ongoing way, if you experience an increase in anxiety, try shortening the, the patterns for it. So perhaps down to three beats for each of them. We're going to practice for five beats today. Okay. So everyone, come into your seat. And if you're not driving, close your eyes for just a second. And feel the breath moving in and through your body. 
There's nothing that you need to do to change it. If you need to adjust your body in any way, absolutely fine. And we'll now do four rounds of this practice. Follow along with me for the first two, and the last two do on your own. Everyone, please exhale very deeply. And inhale for one, two, three, four, hold. One, two, three, four, exhale. Three, four, inhale. One, two, three, four, hold. One, two, three, four, exhale. One, two, three, four, on your own. One, two, three, four, hold. Exhale. Continue. And to conclude, take one long and deep breath. And tune in with yourself for a moment. How do you feel differently? How does the room around you look different? What's happening with your pulse, with your heart and your chest? And there you have it. You can do that for four breaths. I typically do that in the morning because honestly, I'm really prone to morning depression. Like that, like first thing in the morning, oh God, I need to get out of bed. And so I find that that helps me to get a little bit onto a better pattern of thought, let's say, <laughs> changes the channel just a bit. Um, if you want to do it in a more formal way, you can set a timer for whatever amount you want to practice for or use a recording. Again, at some sort of outside interference is really helpful, especially when your first kind of starting in order to get uh, a sense of purchase on kind of this engagement that we have. Um, and furthermore, I think that specific practice is nice because it can really grow with you. So you can start again with three beats between them, move to five beats. Eventually you can build up as much as you'd like. The trick is to not have any event when you're practicing really well, you're not going to be overwhelmed with anxiety during the process with it, which can happen really quickly if you go to, too hard, too long, but then also that you're able to have a smooth inhale, hold, and exhale with no spaces in which you're having to gasp, gasp for breath or otherwise feeling like you're like running out of breath sure. for it. 
Um, so this can grow as long as you want for it. And the good news is you don't need another meditation teacher now. You know it. You got it. Um, you may actually. I'm being facetious here. But, like, <laughs> but you know, I, 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 there are a lot of teachers out there who kind of have this like, you know, like, no, you got the advanced technique. Like this almost sort of like Scientological kind of approach. Oh, with, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. like, you, like you, you graduated to the next level. You're like epistemus of... of <laughs> yes, exactly. You're epistemus level. You're, you're, like, a, four, you're, you're a 32nd degree uh, meditation <laughs> practitioner. Yes, the Scottish rite of meditation. Um, I strongly disagree with that format. Any yep. technique is an advanced technique and any technique is also a beginner technique. The difference is that sometimes teachers will have like a particular technique that is really subtle or really abstract that they'll consider to be an, a, an advanced technique. Like a very traditional one is to sort of tune into the space of the spine and to feel it as a void. For example, if you go to like, you know, like I'm a businessman and I really just want to learn how, you know, how to balance my stocks better or something like if you're like, okay, cool. We're going to talk about the void realm of the spine. Probably not really a good entry point for them, but um, yeah, it's this is for everybody. I I really and it uh, and when I say it's for everybody, I don't mean everybody needs to meditate, mm-hmm. but I think everybody has the the ability to meditate in a way that our culture isn't really particularly supportive of because meditators are a little untamable when it comes down to it, you get to be yourself. Like you said, you're sort of that level of power and agency and self-control and self-containment is not what our society is really set up to give us at all. And a a meditation practice can help you get there. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Actually, when you're talking about the void, it actually made me think about it. Because one of the things I've I've wanted to do uh, over time, uh, as I integrate it with the system that I'm creating right now, uh, uh, it'll change a little bit. But uh, you know, is coming up with a, a narrative that yeah. is, that fixes in. Uh, you know, a lot of times, obviously, the the void. It, it, when I was it, approaching things from a Germanic frame, um, you know, then you can talk about Gununga Gap, and that's the place of creation. And and you, and you can. I, what do you think of that? Do you do you add mythic frames? Oh, what a gr- fucking great question. Um, I I love mythic frames and I find that they are personally helpful. And in my teaching experience, I have not found that, I, I found them to be slightly unhelpful for the fact that people connect with them and connect with with the teacher as a guru as a okay. result of them. Um, I think it's very important for us to have individual mythologies mm-hmm. and that these are, in, like all mythologies, they're impacted by everything that's around us and that, ever, and that all the different stories and an, anecdotes and antecedents that we can find with it. Um, but overall, I mean, it's, I'm on the same page. I really honestly, if we can be a little woo here for a second, like I think th- this concept of the void is one of the most fundamental mythic frameworks that that works for me when it comes down to it that um and part of that was from my own journey with depression that i mentioned um the biggest shift that i had and again i say this as somebody for whom i dealt with really significant major depressive episodes while also being a meditation teacher so it's it you know it's not like meditate depression's gonna vanish kind of thing it may make you have to deal more with your depression but it makes it so that you can get through it to the next level um the big thing that was really helpful for me was the realization that 
my depression functioned like an abyss and it would and an abyss that every few years in my life would open up and steal everything from me mm-hmm. and that i had all of this tension that i had around trying to avoid entering the abyss because i felt that that abyss would behave the same way every time which was as a a vehicle for my life's destruction um when i shifted my thinking about that and understood that the abyss was going to happen whether i fought it or not and that it was bigger and stronger and meaner and and uh had than me certainly this thing that i thought of as me and uh went into it i realized that it was not an abyss it was the void and that the void was where everything came from and where everything comes back to and that the void is this the terrible open gnawing thing that makes me a wild with desire and it is also the incredibly wonderfully beautifully loving thing that doesn't give a fuck about me (laughs) you know it's like it's all of the paradoxes are there all of the shifting all the shifting meanings are in there and that ability to let go and dig the void as i like to to say it with Mm -hmm. it um has been one of the biggest changes in my life um i say this also and i mean my own framework um i'm very uh intrigued by the beliefs of the celto-iberian people again because a lot of my ethnicity is from um portugal spain etc who Mm -hmm. you know from lots of different places and a recurrent artistic theme there is horned gods and sort of hence the figure on the center of my altar there sure and the we know very little about the mythology around these particular god figures for the fact that we have lots of other cultures that feed into them, but very little firsthand mythology that, that was codified for it. Um, but one of the few things that, to my understanding, that we still do get about it is that it's a god of paradox and mystery in certain mm-hmm. ways, that it it's about things that are in between and neither neither here nor there, neither sold nor unsold, solved nor unsolved. Hmm. And, um, it sounds so, very Odinic. Actually. Right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, that's what I love with it. And, um, and I think that that is as another version of the void, another experience of the void being that it is, it is neither of those. It's created nor uncreated. It's like mm. neither created nor. Yeah. The, the, when, when I talk about it, when I, cause I've, I've done some, I've led some meditations, uh, group meditations for rituals, like a, yeah. in, in a ritual setting. And uh, one of the ways that I always approach it is that the, you know, the void is uh, whether it's Ganungagap or, or actually, I mean, it's in like all these religions. I mean, they always have like, there's this empty space that's both empty and full at the same time. Oh yeah. Because it's everything's there. Every, everything's there, but everything's, confused and the way the narrative i'm putting onto it right now is that um that's chaos Mm. because chaos is is not chaos is the void chaos is is not uh it actually means you know like the uh abyss really it doesn't necessarily mean uh people always think of it as being like a hurricane like ah things are crazy but actually what's the most terrifying thing is no direction but like you're in a place where like everything is it, but there's no point of reference. Mm-hmm. Like, and so you, you know, it's like being floating in space. What could be more terrifying than floating in space? And you're just in the middle of nowhere. And uh, so it's, it's chaos. And one of the things that I think men are especially designed to do, and this is kind of our mission in, in the world is to create order from chaos, but chaos always, chaos reigns, you know, like yeah. <laughs> chaos, I mean, chaos is always going to be there and it doesn't care about us, but uh, we have to create order within it. 
And uh, I, I'm characterizing that as, as, a, as a fire because that's actually, you know, like the first, once you set a fire, then you have people around the fire and that's a point of origin. And that's yeah. where all things, are, and it becomes an axis Monday in its own way. It becomes the sun. Uh, and uh, so I like to think of that kind of meditation for me as gathering kindling. kindling. Because everything oh, is out yeah, there, yes. <laughs> pulling it in, and for your own fire. Yeah. Oh, but, what a beautiful framework. That is like, oh, you fucking nail it. That is I, like, I like it. I, I think, yeah, I'm going to write about it at some point. But uh, yes. Yeah. Well, and that is, it's like, you know, the, the teacher Ramdas would talk about these things. He would use the term grist for the mill, which mm -hmm. I think you're in your, your framework of kindling that mm -hmm. like makes all the better sense for it because this is. It, the idea is not that we transcend the world. Like you said, like what, what the hell would be the point of staying alive if we merged with everything? Like, yeah, yeah. You know, like, like we're alive this time. And we have the wonderful, brutally Sisyphean task of making order for that moment for ourselves in a chaos environment. Like yeah. it, it, it's a beautiful thing and a doomed, like an extreme doomed commitment. Yeah, eventually you lose. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. great. I mean, it's right. it definitely, it's very liberating to know that we will, that that's there. And that w what we're doing is returning what would otherwise be just fucking garbage on our path. Otherwise, just the shit that's going to keep us from getting from any of these goals into the thing that we can consume and burn to illuminate it, that we can create that Axis Mundi for ourselves. Like, what a beautiful framework, Jack. Well done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I like that. I mean, that's kind of the, the, that direction the, the book is going. Um, oh, beautiful. So, so I think that, that what? So, so can I ask you more about the book? Have you? I imagine you've talked some about it, but I'd love to hear. Oh, uh, sure, a little bit. I basically, uh, I'm just people started asking me to write a book about uh, the Germanic paganism, oh. and and the practice uh, and you know, how to do it, what my take on it is and whatever. And I started to write that book, uh, but I was also felt very limited by that mm -hmm. uh, because you know, it, it's a certain frame in a certain ethnicity in a certain time. And that time has passed and I'm an American. So uh, more than anything, you know, like I, yeah. I, 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 my blood's pretty German, but uh, I, I, I'm an American. And, uh, yeah. and so which it's, uh, we're our own thing. And, uh, you know, it, I, I didn't want to have to, there's so many cool dudes that are you know, high quality guys who, uh, you know, just aren't, they're not Germanic or like, they don't have this, they aren't, they aren't connected to that thing. They're connected to another thing. But then as we were talking before the, the show, uh, all these things overlap so much, yeah. you know, like you can talk about the hero concept, that's you know obviously joseph campbell did that in his own way um but uh, you can talk about that hero concept and there's heroes in all these cultures and they they have very similar mythologies and very similar patterns over and over again so instead what i'm trying to do is integrate them and mm. so for the hero uh, and i've talked about this on the podcast before is that uh, the one that i'm using i'm building a temple for him right now at the land uh but uh is the striker mm. and uh, that's in Proto-Indo-European, that's Perkunos, and it becomes Perun, I think, in the, in the Slavic. And then uh, it's, it obviously correlates to Indra and Thor and Heracles and all these this heroic narratives, you know, in, into Zeus a little bit. You know, a lot, a lot of the, the heroes eventually become the leader kings, you know, yeah. with their heroes first, and that's a different role. And uh, 
so I'm just in, integrating these concepts. So I've been reading a lot of heroic literature and so forth to talk about, you know, the striker, because uh, that's something it's in modern English and everybody can, it sounds cool and it's everything, everybody can get. And that's what it means is Perkinos actually means to strike. And this, the hero figure is always associated with uh, the storms and, and thunder and lightning and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, or, or possibly Oak, the etymology also might be, have to do with Oak, but Oaks are struck by lightning. So, you know, yeah. it's basically the same kind of thing. So I'm just kind of building out that concept. And then I think the other, uh, I think I'm settling on the father because all these religions also have a sky father. You know, like that's, that's a pretty common thing, you know, like, and what do you want to look up and be? And that's why the solar aspect of the, the, the father figure, the one who creates the order. And I, and, and this, I actually came to all of this and it, I might be blowing my load here, but uh, it, it, like I came to all this when I was conducting Germanic rituals. Hmm. Um, I, I did, I did a cycle of rituals where I started out with Odin um, as the creator of order and, you know, creates the world from murder basically. And then, uh, I did a, I did a weird <laughs> one. Come from, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The world is made of murder. We had a song for it at the time, but, uh, uh, the, uh, then I did, a, I did a kind of offsuit talking about, uh, what ended up really being chaos, which is what Odin used to uses to create. You know, that's the material that he uses, and that's what he's always searching for, uh, is to, to find something in the chaos that he can use. And then, uh, and then once you've created order, you have to defend it. So that's a second function. And then this, this relates down to Dumazil's tripartite structure of, of uh, European, Indo-European societies. So it's like the first function is the creator of order, uh, king, magician guy, and then there's the, the protector. Uh, the person has to protect order. I like to say a champion of order. Because uh, because it's not always just protecting and defending. Sometimes it's expanding. <laughs> you know, it, it's expansive violence as well. Yeah. So so, uh, so I think champion order of order is better. And then uh, the third function is is you know the one that's a little bit closer to the earth, which is the you know fertility. Uh, I mean, your thing is it's Kernunos, is it? Is that yeah 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 yes yeah 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 yeah. I That's mean, it. this is what I've been doing lately. So, <laughs> uh, yes. you know that that kind of figure that's more attached to fertility and um, you know that that becomes Pan, and you know Pan and and uh, and uh, you know, just the basic things of life like uh, you know, nature cycles, natural cycles, and all that kind of thing. And then, um, so in that regard, also partially like the priest as well as the gardener as another aspect of each of those things too. Because if they're talking about sort of dealing with the natural cycle, it's also about like moving the, turning the wheel of time of sort of, of seeing people through those transitions and then also kind of keeping a space for those things to occur. Yeah, yeah. And all these things overlap in a weird way too. But uh, that's, um, yeah. And, and the third function is usually in, in the, the Dumazil thing. That's the third function is more, more like, uh, you know, the, the, the worker, like mm -hmm. the craftsman. And, uh, you know, I think of the, the farmer, the guy who just, work needs to be done to keep the society going. So, you know, you have to, uh, you know, you create order, you defend it, and then you have to perpetuate it. Mm -hmm. And so something's got to be involved in the perpetuating the order. The, the magician part, I, uh, Dumazil puts up with the, with the, uh, the king, because there's usually a, a structure where there's a mad king and uh, like the, the crazy king, which is very Odinic. Uh, you know, like uh, this kind of wild, crazy, creative king, and there then there's the rule of law king, 
And, uh, and you can look at that a whole bunch of different ways. So I always put the musician, because there's priest class is, tends to be attached to the king class in these kind of societies. So, um, yeah. so it's, it's basically like, it's part of that role. And the other thing, oh, and that's the other thing. Um, they all de deal with a different kind of chaos. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, physical chaos is uh, obviously the protector warrior class. They deal with physical chaos and, and physical death and all that kind of thing. Uh, the you know, more of the, the king father concept has to deal with conceptual chaos mm. because they, they're the ones who name things and create, create orders and create divisions and like create order out, out of chaos. They put things in an array. I mean, you probably know the Rita mm -hmm. in the, in the Sanskrit. I mean, that's the order yeah. function like the, and that's, you know, all these things, a lot of them actually mean like a straight line and they, to put the, put things in order in an array. And, uh, and to move from that, that single point into the straight line as well. Yeah. Like the continuation of that, that continuity or that, yeah, exactly. All exactly, exactly, exactly. So, so <laughs> yeah. it, it's very interesting. And, and, and then, um, you know, I think of the, the third function as dealing with the material chaos which is like the natural world like you know you plants and animals and and all that kind of thing uh so it, that's kind of where i'm going with it and relating it all to fire and, and all that fire being order and and th th it's it's a lot of cool stuff i'm really excited about it i wish i could get it out tomorrow yes uh, but <laughs> I, I wish i could get it out tomorrow but it's like i got to this point where i felt like i needed more like uh i had a feeling about it but i needed more background and that's why i had to start reading a lot more you know just uh yeah, I needed to have a full sense of the Greek myths, not just like my idea of them and remembering them and looking up a couple of things on Wikipedia and whatever. I mean, I, I needed to have, I, I needed to have like, I, like I've read the Odyssey and I, I you know what bright-eyed Athena does. And I, you know, I know, you know, it's like, like I, I have a few more that I want to get through. I want to get through the Aenid as, as well and uh, just get through all the, the, the big classics. And so I have a, a really strong sense of the vibe of these these characters because then I can pull from them and make the writing more interesting because right now I can give this all to you basically as I just did. But then you have to, it, it has to fill out. Yeah. And so I, I need the, I, I'm gathering kindling right now, basically, <laughs> to, to, to build the fire. And so it's going to take as long as it takes. And yeah. that's really frustrating because it's hard to, uh, it's hard to quantify your work. Especially point. with something like that, that is yeah. like literally and figuratively epic. <laughs> <With Yeah>. it, <laughs> yes. Like, like what, what did I get done today? Well, I think I named my denomination. That's amazing. That's hard work. <laughs> you know, that they, hard work. A lot of it is like me talking with Clinton and going back and forth and trying to figure out ideas about, you know, what I, I think what I'm resting on right now, because people, especially in the modern world, men are looking for, we're not raised with one identity. No. You know, there's not a, there's not a one culture, one identity, one religion, da, 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 da. That's not, we're all coming from different places. So they're looking, how do I identify myself? And so I, you know, I can't just be like solar, you know, it, it, they need something. So I think I'm going to think I'm going to call it solar idealism. Uh, Cause solar. I was going to, I was going to call it uh solar paganism or just uh you know, but uh the word pagan i mean i think it's cool because it in my mind it's it's you know greek temples and incense 100%. and sacrificing bulls and all that but to most people it's etsy witches so uh you know it's, yeah, it's it, I mean, it, and it also has i mean moved so far from the historical thing of basically like not christian right, right? and 
I like that myself. <laughs> like this, yeah. Like, same yeah. part of me that, that you know wears a pentagram. Pentagram, some you know, like definitely likes that. And the Etsy witch energy to it that you're talking about is yeah. And yeah. a guy, a lot of guys will just associate with that with like SCA or something like that. You know, like oh, wow. and so <laughs> yeah, you know, something like and that's the way it looks to like because you know I I have a wide range of audience and you know a lot of the guys who I really want to connect with are you know they're pretty normal guys. Yeah. They have their shit together and whatever. And they're not necessarily into like flying their freak flag, you know, because a lot of the guys who want to do pagan stuff, they're, they, they, that, that's kind of the vibe. And, you know, I, I'm guilty. I've done some stuff like that, you know, myself, yeah, you know, no, I've been there. I mean, I'm a, cre- I'm a creative dude. I, I'm a creative dude. I'm going to make cool, weird imagery. And that's just what I do. And if I'm not doing that, then I'm not being me. But, uh, you know, that's not every guy. Yeah. And that's, and, I, and I'm trying to make something that's more accessible to a lot more men. Uh, so, so I, you know, so that I don't have to hang out with just other weirdos like me, you know, I, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you know, you have to, you have to connect with people where they're at. Uh, oh, totally. I, I completely hear you and p- please do it. I mean, this is amazing. Oh yeah, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. Phenomenal work. I'm so excited for this day hit. And it is interesting. I mean, at one point I was actually, you know, talking about groups and everything. Like I was teaching with that app Oak for a while. Yeah. Great app, didn't really last super long. Um, and that after that experience, I really felt like this hunger to have more community going on. I've kind of did my, done my own starts with um, trying to get things going. And my the most recent one that I've sort of been bouncing around has been this idea of Sons of Kenanos and like this sort of framework for it. And it is a huge challenge to think about the level of... Um, both a level of responsibility, if you're handing people a framework, handing people a mythology and saying that this is what's here and that you get to f- find your meeting inside of it and kind of derive some uh, some long-term benefit out of this, like that is a huge responsibility. So I applaud you. It, it is amazing work. I don't yeah, know. Well, yeah, that, I know that's few the, others who could do it as well as you do. So, well, but. well, we'll see what, uh, <laughs> it's the hard thing is, is that the hard thing is, is yeah, you have to, a lot of the process too has been, what do I actually believe? Right. You know, like, what do I, what do I actually believe? Cause I, I don't want to sell people something that I don't I, like, I'm not on board with, you know? Mm. So I have to like really drill down the, you know, I might write, you know, five or six pages that'll never make it into the book because it's, it's really me working through my own, like, what is this? Like, where, where am I at with it? Like, and what do I expect from people? Like, what do I think that they should do? You know, and how this is, how is this going to help them? You know? And, and it's, so it's, it's a lot of trying to figure that out. Cause if I, if I can't, I got to the point where I had like seven chapters and, and, uh, uh, then I'm like, I'm introducing ideas that I haven't worked out yet. You know, like your opening chapters are introducing ideas and I'm like, I'm introducing things that I haven't quite worked out yet. So I, I now I'm kind of going to the end of the book and like uh-huh. working backwards, you know? So it's, it's, it's a trick it, book. It, it, I think it, it's a quote by somebody that uh, writing a book is the closest, closest thing a man can do to giving birth. And uh, it's, 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 it's like that. It's, 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 it's always a horrible process. And I always say I'm never going to do it again. <laughs> later or whatever now yeah yeah i think i think this is just for the longest time before before i gave a title it was just in my file the folder for it was just called book seven uh but itself has a certain alistair crowley kind of charm to it (laughs) (laughs) trying to move away from that oh come on but anyway um before we before we uh wrap up because we'll have to wrap up we're doing a podcast forgot (laughs) yeah yeah no no i mean that's that's people love that um uh but 
uh, obviously we did a really short practice. We did yes. something that they could do in a really short way. Mm-hmm. What direction would you advise people to go? I mean, what are the, some of the, you know, if someone's going to meditate for 20 minutes or what are they, you know, a bigger picture thing, you know, like, or, or do you just do short things? Is that, are you, are you good with that? Or fantastic question. Um, be in it. Here's my baseline advice is the more important thing is to have a consistent daily practice than to have a really lengthy practice. Uh, this is exactly why I have very harsh negative critiques of, for example, lineages that have like a 10 day residential full time uh, practice as your introduction for it, because mm-hmm. you there's simply too much information that's coming in and you're you're not setting yourself up for a real successful experience with that. Um, instead, starting from something that's reasonable that you can tackle every day um, and keep that up for a little while and then expand from there in a way that's sustainable over time. And so th- for myself, I typically meditate 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the evening. And mm-hmm. I find that that's a good amount so that I'm not like kind of like too like, hey, Jagadu Dave to people like in the rest of my life because I have a fucking hard job and I have to like be present for it and can't just be all zoned out but also that I'm still getting benefit from it. Um, and, you know, that that was something I arrived at over a lo- you know, long period of practice. I think for guys who are starting out, thinking five minutes in, in the day, every day, keep it up, and then once you've really driven it home to yourself that you can keep up that practice, expand from there for it. It's like, you know, don't put fucking 200 pound, pound you know, plates on to like kick it off and then be like, what, I hurt myself. Like, right, you know, right. Like, get yourself set with that. Um, in terms of further practices that, that work, again, get, get a gong recording, get some dark ambient, try that out as a first step. I imagine you can probably put some links somewhere for something like that. Um, but, you know, just Google either of those things and you'll be able to find something. Yeah. Um, the... If you're interested in the breath practices that I was talking about today, um, if you Google pranayam, which I'll spell P-R-A-N-A-Y-A-M, which means practices working with prana, which is the life force, but it's also the breath more specifically. And um, there's a whole world of pranayam practices that are available for you. Find one that works for you. Honestly, it's like pour yourself a glass of whiskey, spend a half hour online, Google it, and you'll find some great options for it. If you're looking for a more formalized approach for this, um, there are many, many guided meditations online for it. Um, I am partial to the guided meditations that are made by a woman named Amanda Yates Garcia online. And she is a um, also pagan. So kind of getting, kind of putting my cards on the table here for what sort of stuff I like. She has stuff around um, grounding, centering, shielding, et cetera, that are meditative practices that I think are really lovely. Um, you can find a wealth of options online for it for free. I say don't give people money until you get, until you absolutely have to, I guess, when it comes to this sort of stuff, if they're putting it out there for free. Um, if you are, if you want further, more specific guidance for it, if you go to nickmatos.com, uh, go to my mailing list, I'll send out some stuff every so often that will have instructions on you know, how you can contact me. I love hearing from folks, any questions you have on meditation, anything of that sort. Um, I'm also working on some recordings myself that I'm putting out for free about this, as well as gong recordings. Mm-hmm. Um, this is all kind of nascent stuff because of my sense of the urgency of the times. <laughs> so, right. you know, like, sign up, I'll, I'll keep you updated on it. Um, and then as further, further steps from it, um, there are 
the the key advising that I'd give with you is that if you're looking for a, a formalized teacher, like, and again, I'm a pretty informal teacher, so you kind of get a sense of my style. But if you're looking for somebody who is kind of the um, functions in that way, my general advice to people is that if the, that person is purporting to have special information to give you or a special identity uh, or energy field or any of those things to do it, that person is looking to take your power away. Like that person is is primarily looking to disempower you for it. And if you choose to move forward with that, go into it with your eyes open and with a strong sense on what the transaction really is. And if you're transacting your agency and your self-control and your self-containment for a sense of being special or being enlightened or, you know, belonging to some organization, if you're going to do that, be conscious of it. Don't go in unconsciously because that's really where you lose stuff that you can't get back when you go in there unconsciously. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I've, I found that as well with the kind of uh, <laughs> received knowledge, I think is yes. the, what we call it. Is you know, like the, <laughs> if, if someone has the received knowledge uh, that, you know, that only I can tell you the secret because so-and-so you know, speaks through me and I have mm-hmm. very much knowledge that I cannot share with you right now, but for 1995, uh, you know, I mean, there's obviously people have to work and if you do say, if you're good at something, you should, you, you yeah, should charge totally. people for it. But, uh, but yeah, there's definitely that vibe out there. It, it amazes me when you see like reasonably smart people like falling for it. But as one of those people, I like to think of myself as reasonably smart. Smart? I, I say smart. smart. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> I'm Mr. Smart. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, honestly, I, as somebody who has been sucked in by that shit more, more than once, and mm-hmm. the, it, you know, I, I have not had a tambourine given out flowers on the street yet you know for it but i've definitely bought into the idea that there you know were people with i mean and i'll phrase it this way now like special powers that could transfer that consciousness to me without my doing anything with it and which i I mean and i look at it now and i'm like oh well i mean can you think of a clear idea example of like handing your power over to somebody else to like think that like this sort of like space mommy basically will be able to save me? Like how right. much more infantilizing can it be? Yeah. Um, it's a, it, it happens. And I don't think honestly, you know, as much as I got some benefit out of beating myself up about it, I don't advise people to beat themselves up if they, find a, if they try something and they don't like it or if they find try something and it doesn't work for them this applies for teachers this applies for meditation practices fuck this applies for relationships apply you know like it's we all have the ability to to use these things to use jack's your utterly beautiful metaphor it's our kindling we can turn this into kindling and if we decide to run from that the axis mundi of the fire of our own experience we're losing the whole point as to what the kindling was there for like right. like take it with you take it back to it like keep coming back to your seat keep coming back to yourself like it we're at a moment in which we urgently need you to be you and we're not going to get there if we don't light a fire and start the world really yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, man. I think that was that, that was a good <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs>